You are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is produced by Crawlspace Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to True Crime Twins. I'm Melina. And I'm Chloe. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of our show. We are bringing you another fascinating mystery today. We're talking about the unsolved murders of Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner Beck. The date is August 18th, 2021 in Moab, Utah. Cindy Sue Hunter saw on Facebook that Sean Paul Schulte was making desperate pleas to help find his daughter. He hadn't heard from her since August 14th. Four days had passed. His daughter, Kylan Schulte, 24 years old, and her wife, Crystal Turner Beck, were camping in Moab, Utah, and he was unable to reach them. They had previously complained of a, quote, creeper camping near them, and they were so concerned that they wanted to move campsite. The women were last seen at Woody's Tavern on August 13th, having drinks with friends, and they spoke about this creepy man. Cindy was concerned. Apparently, the police were not of much help to Kylan's father. She was in the area, and unfortunately, none of the family members of the missing women were. Kylan was from Montana, and Crystal was from Arkansas. They had no family nearby, just friends. They were staying in Utah. They didn't live there. They did live in Utah. I don't think it was a permanent dynamic. I had read that Crystal owned land in Arkansas, and they eventually hoped to move over there and build on her land. They were living out of their van, a Ford Econoline. They also had a Harley Davidson bike and a Kia Sorento, but they were living the van life that you know has been kind of popularized these days. So they didn't have a home, but they had a little setup in their van in Moab. Kylan worked at the Moonflower Co-op in Moab, and Crystal worked at a McDonald's. Cindy wanted to help. She got into her car. She went around searching for their campsite. She eventually found their vehicle and found their campsite. It was in disarray. The tent was left open. Their personal belongings were strewn about inside and outside of the tent. Cindy found Kylan's bunny, Ruth, with no food or water. Thankfully, Ruth was still alive, but unfortunately, the same couldn't be said for Crystal and Kylan. As she searched the area in an irrigation ditch, she found Kylan Schulte's body. She said she only saw her arms and torso, but that was enough to identify her. Cindy immediately called Kylan's father, Sean Paul, who yelled that she needed to get out of there because he was concerned for her safety. She got into her vehicle, drove to the main road off of the campsite, and called the police and waited the 45 minutes to an hour wait time that it took for police to arrive. The police searched the area and also found Crystal. They were both in the irrigation ditch. Neither were wearing any pants or underwear. It's unclear who. One of them was wearing a tank top and the other one was just wearing a bra, but the bra was lifted to expose the breasts. The scene was absolutely grisly. Both women had been shot multiple times in the upper body. The deaths were ruled a homicide. Law enforcement has since released a few statements to clarify information. They said that there was no evidence of apparent forcible sexual assault, 
this was, I think, an assumption that a lot of people had was that they were sexually assaulted because of their state of undress. But apparently they could not find any evidence that would confirm this, such as vaginal injury or DNA found on or inside of them. Now, we talked about in our very first episode that not all sexual assault leads to vaginal injury. In fact, it's not as common as people would think. But the fact that both of them were found that way and neither of them had any injury, I think that's less common. I think you would probably see some sort of injury or evidence of sexual assault in at least one of the ladies. Well, I actually have to wonder. I always would think of a crime this violent just instinctively. The perpetrator might be male, but since this is a lesbian newlywed couple, maybe it could have been a scorned former female lover and maybe the signs of sexual assault may not be as evident. It is possible that the perpetrator or perpetrators were female and that the motivation was, you know, feeling scorned or jealous. And if a woman did commit sexual assault on them, the signs might not be the same as if a man had. And it's possible that the police investigating this are kind of just looking at it from that limited perspective. They have said that there are persons of interest declared in this case, but no arrests have been made. I also think that an explanation for their state of undress, if there was indeed no sexual assault, is perhaps the two of them were involved in intimate relations at the time of their death, and you know maybe they were in their tent or their van and were interrupted and ordered out at gunpoint or dragged out. I believe there is some evidence that they were dragged to the irrigation ditch. Were they killed in the irrigation ditch, do they think, or do we not know? I think that might be unclear. There was blood at the scene, but I don't know exactly what the scene looked like, where the blood was, etc. And it sounds like the bodies were not next to each other. Based on what Cindy saw, I don't think so. I think that there was some distance apart because you would think that when she saw Kylan, she would see Crystal. It's possible that as soon as she saw Kylan, and I'm not sure exactly what part of her body there was, because I know Crystal had a lot of tattoos on her arms. I don't think Kylan did. But she was able to identify her pretty quickly. Kylan was very distinguishable physically. She was extremely striking, very gorgeous, 24-year-old. But she also had very long dreadlocks. Like light brown hair, thick. Like she would like pile her hair on the top of her head. The two called themselves hippies, you know, embracing the van life. They loved smoking marijuana. They lived a very free almost countercultural lifestyle. They were very beloved by their friends. They were considered to be very sweet and kind people. Kylan, as I said, she grew up in Montana with her parents, Sean Paul and Valerie, and her brother, Mac. Mac, unfortunately, in 2015, was also murdered with gun violence. But in this case, it was ruled an accidental death. He and a friend snuck out and visited another teenager who they were friends with, And when they knocked on this boy's window, he got afraid and took a gun and shot out the window, killing Mac. Mac was only 15 years old and Kylan was 18 at the time. And according to Mac's obituary, he and Kylan were best friends. Fast forward to 2021, and now Sean Paul and Valerie have lost their other child to gun violence. Crystal, she was divorced. She had been married to a man. And unfortunately, she had a more difficult history. It seemed that maybe she was on the other end of it. 
she had unfortunately lost custody of her children because of issues related to homelessness and drug addiction. She had a long history of living out of her vehicles and abusing a number of drugs. And according to some court documents, she had made efforts to get clean once she had moved to Utah, attending Narcotics Anonymous. She had provided some evidence that she was staying clean, but the courts had determined that it was, quote, too little too late. And unfortunately, she lost all parental rights. But she was maintaining and holding a job. She was still living out of her van with Kylan, but I don't think it was a desperate situation like the one that she had been in before. There were some drugs found at the crime scene and drug paraphernalia, including marijuana, cocaine, and I believe methamphetamine paraphernalia, but I don't think they found methamphetamines. If this was a drug-addicted killer, you would think he would have robbed them of these things, or if robbery were the motive, you wouldn't expect these things to be left there, but perhaps they weren't in plain view. Everyone says that Crystal was a really lovely person. The two ladies met on a hike. They were hiking not with each other separately, and Crystal walked by with a friend, and Kylan noticed her, and I think was kind of immediately struck, and a connection was formed, and they started as friends, and they developed a very intimate and close relationship, and they were newlyweds when they died. You can find pictures of their wedding ceremony online. Crystal has her hair in braids. She's wearing a suit with blue accents. Kylan is in a very traditional white dress. They're outside. Kylan's father proudly walks her down the aisle. Friends, family are present, and they just look so happy. It yeah. appeared Crystal had a little <laughs> marijuana bud in her pocket square. Like, you know, people will have flowers. I think one of, one of the flowers was like a bud of marijuana. Like a marijuana flower. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they were kind of embracing their countercultural affiliations there. Oh, I and saw those pictures. They were beautiful, honestly. And I'm usually wary of that kind of age gap in any type of relationship. I obviously have no idea what their dynamic was, but those pictures were really cute. They looked so happy. They looked so in love. And with, with the lifestyle they were leading, I think plenty of people out there will clutch their pearls and, and judge them. But they weren't hurting anybody. No. And I'm not saying that they were perfect. You know, Crystal in particular had a more troubled history and people were probably hurt along the way. But what they were doing, they were just living their lives. And between the two of us, we have a member of the LGBT community. We have an ally of the community. And it's incredibly devastating to see a lesbian couple savagely killed like this and a potential motive is that this could have been a hate crime. True. It haunts me to think that somebody with that kind of motive, like what what kind of taunts they may have heard or ugliness they could have heard and the fear they felt before they died. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Utah is, I think, pretty straight-laced. I don't think it's the most liberal state. In areas like Moab, where there's the national park and a lot of hikers, there's probably more liberal communities and subcultures. But I can't imagine that they never faced hate and discrimination. And they're talking about a creeper that was bothering them like the day before they died. Initially, it was thought that they could have been killed between the 14th and the 18th of August. But Law enforcement has subsequently specified it to be the 14th as their probable date of death. So just the night before, 
they're complaining to their friends about this creeper dude. And I think it's definitely possible and even probable that law enforcement have more information about what they said about this guy than we know. And that's possibly, you know, withholding information for their investigation. Because if I was out with friends and they said some guy is creeping on us, some creeper, some weirdo, and we're so uncomfortable by this that we're going to move our campsite, I would absolutely be asking more questions. I'd be very concerned for their safety and wanting to know what did, what did he do? What did he say? So police probably know this, but I imagine it may have had something to do with their sexuality. Yeah, I think like you said that Kylan was very striking, very, very beautiful, would definitely turn heads. And I think that in certain bigots' heads, they feel like they should be the ones that can date girls like her and not some older lesbian lady. I happen to know more than one person who was in a heterosexual marriage and his wife left him for another woman. And this isn't always what happens. There are plenty of people that handle a situation like this with grace. But someone who has toxic masculine tendencies can really grow to have an irrational hatred of women, just disdain, especially toward gay women. They don't have any respect towards them. In fact, they hate them. It makes me just wonder if there was someone that was really hostile, that had some kind of element to their history that made them really hate women and particularly lesbian women to make them targets to this person with robbery not being motive, with sexual assault apparently not being the motive. It seems the motive either could have been personal, like you said, maybe a jealous ex, some kind of stalker who had imagined up a relationship with one of these two ladies, or it was because they were gay. They both had wounds to their back, their sides, and or chest. So I think that could mean that maybe the one or both of them were trying to run away if they were shot in the back. It also could reflect a lot of anger, rage. I think shooting someone multiple times in the upper body is reflective of overkill. It's unnecessary. I had that same instinct. I was wondering if one or both of them tried to run and that's why their bodies weren't found next to each other because whoever did this didn't really make an effort to conceal, especially because they were found near the campsite. Like, sure, they were in a ditch. They could have fallen in there. Like, maybe they were dumped there, but if they were, it didn't take that much of an effort. There was a broken cell phone found at the scene, as well as a Bible. And like I said, the drugs and paraphernalia that were found, there were pills, including clonazepam, ibuprofen, amoxicillin, which is an antibiotic, and prednisone, which is a steroid used to treat inflammation. So not all of these, some of these were prescription drugs. And even if they didn't have a prescription for them, they're not really used to get high. They're used to treat medical ailments. But there was an electronic scale, a glass pipe with leafy residue that one could assume is marijuana, and a pipe that's traditionally used for methamphetamine use. So who knows, maybe they were using and abusing drugs and this was related to drugs. I would hope that some sort of investigation is occurring regarding how those drugs were obtained and potential dealers, suppliers are being interviewed to see if there's any link there with drugs relating to their murders. Mm -hmm. Something interesting is the nine millimeter 
casings that were found. Apparently, they were like silver colored, which is rare. They're typically brass. There have also been pleas for property owners in the vicinity, and this was by the LaSalle Mountains, to check any CCTV footage to determine, you know, maybe they captured someone fleeing, captured the women, anything that could help them piece together what happened. Unfortunately, they were staying at a campsite that was not like a registered campsite. It wasn't like a private business. So there wouldn't be any records of people signing in and out, unfortunately, because that would be really helpful. They were hiking and camping on public land, but it didn't require signing in or any kind of documentation, identification, etc. There is a coincidence here. This location where these women were found is not far from where Gabby Petito was found, and people speculated about a possible connection. Chloe, do you think that there is any possible connection between Brian Laundrie in the Gabby Petito case and the murder of Kylan and Crystal. A lot of people think this. Before I even get into this, the FBI has ruled out Brian Laundrie, who admitted in a suicide note to killing Gabby Petito on their cross-country road trip in 2021. They said that he's not involved in the murders of Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner Beck. But people are still going to speculate, and here's why. As many of you know who have followed the Gabby Petito case, Gabby and Brian were pulled over and eventually separated in Moab, Utah, after a witness saw them having a domestic altercation outside of the Moonflower Co-op where Kylan Schulte worked as a cashier. So this is a connection. They were probably inside of the co-op. Maybe they met Kylan in there. That's crazy. What the speculation was, was, you know, clearly Brian was having some uncontrollable violent tendencies toward his fiance Gabby Petito that resulted in her being killed. This was in very close time and location proximity to this murder. So could it be related? Was Brian Laundrie the quote creeper that had made Kylan and Crystal feel so uncomfortable? I would imagine the FBI would have reason to rule him out and wouldn't say that without having appropriate evidence. I mean, Brian Laundrie wasn't just out there killing women indiscriminately. He killed Gabby, presumably in an argument, which is how most murders start, an argument of a personal nature, and he lost his temper and lost control, and I believe he strangled her. Yeah, I read that there was also potential blunt force to the head and neck, which is not uncommon during a strangulation, like during a struggle. So Gabby Potato's body was found in mid-September, and it was estimated that she had died three to four weeks prior, and they couldn't get an exact date because of the amount of time that had passed. But what if Kylan and Crystal witnessed something? Maybe Kylan witnessed the domestic altercation on August 12th, which is just two days before they're killed. I don't know if maybe they established where Gabby and Brian were camping out of their van, and they were also both living out of their vans at the time. So that's a connection. They have something in common there and maybe would have crossed paths at campsites. But again, he has been ruled out by the FBI. Kylan's father was very supportive outwardly of her marriage to Crystal Turner Beck. He was quoted as saying that Kylan started blossoming when they bonded and started dating. They just adored the outdoors and hiking. They loved animals. They loved each other. 
Kylan was previously in an abusive relationship and was having some psychological hardship and he just saw a complete change in her. And it's just absolutely tragic that neither one of these women were able to live to their full potential. Both had apparently made positive changes and strides in their lives and that was all ended by someone whose heart was just filled with hate. And they absolutely need justice. It's terrible that the only reason we know about this case is because of that speculated link with Brian Laundrie and Gabby Petito. But I'm glad that we know about it because this is a case that definitely would have been swept under the rug of the national media's attention. I agree. And I think that people might be afraid to speak up because they could have a potential link in the case, whether it be through drugs or guns or something else illegal. But I think that it's likely that those issues can be put aside in the interest of finding out who did this. If you have any information in the murders of Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner, please contact the Moab Police Department. Thank you for listening to True Crime Twins. If you enjoy and look forward to our content, please take the time to give us a five-star review and rating on whatever podcast platform you use. We are active on social media and we hope you'll follow us. You can find us on Twitter and TikTok at True Crime Twins, on Instagram at True Crime Twins Podcast, and you can email us with any questions or comments, case suggestions at truecrimetwinspodcast at gmail.com.